What is going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Running and Gunning Podcast with your host, Justin Sinem. I am stoked to have you joining us this evening. We've got a great episode lined up. Unfortunately, Logan's not going to be with us on this one. He is working late uh, during this recording. But uh, we're going to have a great guest, Clint McCoy from Southern Illinois. This dude is uh, an absolute killer, uh, really gets after deer in the mobile style. Um, there's a, a ton of great videos. You can find him on Deer Hunter DVM. Um, but just a wealth of knowledge. I think you guys will really enjoy this one. Clint's a veterinarian. He's got a little different perspective than uh, you know some of your other hunters that you might listen to. So I think there's a lot you guys will take away from this one. We're going to... Uh, do a, a little bit of like a BS session and get into some good early season stuff and uh, just stuff that he's learned from animals and, uh, you know, being a veterinarian and maybe some different uh, different things that you haven't heard on other, other podcasts. So without further ado, let's get into this one. Clint, how's it going, brother? What's good? Just good, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I always, I always get a kick out of like when just D, DIY guys um, – like message me and say, "Hey, will you be on the podcast?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I'm just like you." So, right? <laughs> like we we're one and the same, man. Like, well, it was yeah, really I cool, love man. I, I feel like I I put you up a, on a, a little higher level than most DIY guys. You're just very humble, and I nah. and I respect that a ton, man. Um, I know, like for me, from listening, you know, listening to some of your content, some of your previous podcasts you've done, um, your wealth and knowledge and. Uh, you know, for, for those guys out there that might not know who you are, why don't you give us a little rundown, what you do, uh, you know, how long you've been in the game doing this? <laughs> I'm getting too old. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm pretty much self-taught. Um, no, I am self-taught. Um, I grew up on a family dairy farm here in Southeastern Illinois and, um, you know, we had 150, head of Holsteins growing up and we were milking twice a day whether it was you were in school or not you were going you know and uh you know our I never really had a hunting mentor growing up um you know my my dad wasn't a hunter and he wasn't against hunting he just was he didn't understand the hook you know like he didn't get the chase he didn't he doesn't have the wolf in him you know like he's mm -hmm. he's a worker and he's like, man, I don't understand this. Like, you know, hunting is a waste of time. Well, it's not. But he saw it as that way because, look, we've got cattle out back and we eat those. Why are we, you know, why are you spending time in the woods? And, you know, it, he didn't understand my desire to be affiliated with the whitetail. And I don't know either. I don't know where I got it from. Like, the good Lord put it in me from day one. Like, I just come natural, but, um, I started, so, you know, not having a, not having a, a real big hunting mentor growing up. My mom's brother, my uncle took me, um, he was about 10 years older than me for the first time. And that's when I got, that's when I got to itch. And I started reading North American whitetail magazine when I was a boy and we didn't have all this social media and, and YouTube and, and outdoor channel and this and that and all this gaga that we have nowadays. We had magazines and books, and that's kind of where I learned. Like, And that's why – so nowadays I'm a veterinarian. I made it through vet school. I went to the University of Illinois, hail alma mater. Uh, and I've been in practice for almost 20 years uh, doing – 
um, mostly dogs, dogs, cats, companion animals now, but, uh, you know, also do some cattle and horse work on the side. And, uh, you know, my release, my recreation is, is hunting. Like it's, I know it sounds weird that a veterinarian, you know, spends all of his time trying his best to figure out how to best way to kill something. But (laughs) I mean, it's a balance, you know, It, it has to. I have to balance the scales because um, what we do as a profession is we're not just a Band-Aid station, man. We work um, major surgery like it's 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 full bore, um, but I'm looking forward to, you know, getting out. Um, and they actually, North American called me about six months ago and asked me if um, I wanted to be a part of their, you know, uh, North American Whitetail TV on the Outdoor Channel, so... I'm going to Kentucky tomorrow, um, and I'm going to have a cameraman over my shoulder for the first time ever. All my stuff is, I have my own YouTube channel. I call it Deer Hunter DVM because that's what, who I am, you know, 50-50. Yeah. Um, but now now it's now it's not do-it-yourself. I mean, it is, but somebody else is going to be running the camera. It's going to be weird. But how's that going to go? Are you guys, are you guys going there and their stand set up? Or are you going to do like run and gun no, we, style? We or put what? It, we, no, we put it in like, it's, it's not an outfitter. We, we did the work. Um, yeah. and it's like, it's everything that we, uh, every, everything you see on the outdoor channel always looks, uh, you know, um, maybe cookie cutter would be the right way, way to put it. But that is not my style. And yeah, we, uh, my associate editor, Blake Garlock, he's a, he's a good dude from Pennsylvania. He's the, he's, I call him a kid cause he's younger than me by a mile. Um, but he's the, the dude that I send all my article copies into and he edits them and he's been on the show for a, a couple of years now. And he's a, he's not from Pen, being from Pennsylvania. Blake is a slaying machine, like period. Those guys from PA they're they know how to sling it they do know? man it's kind of cool <laughs> when you get a guy from the east coast into the midwest and they just take off yeah you know and he's a good you're dude. just he's, used to used to hunting pressured deer i guess he is and what i'm not used to what what thrills me about this whole north american whitetail thing is they kind of nursed me you know like i tell gordon whittington this all the time when i talk to him i'm like dude you're you don't know this, but you guys are my education. Like I've got every article or excuse me, every magazine that I ever got my own self as a kid from the mailbox. I still have it. Like it was my lifeblood. It was the way to learn back in the day. I agree, man. I'm not, uh, so I'll be 34 here soon. And I remember, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i remember you know the joy i used to get from uh you know my my grandma would be like what do you want for christmas i'd be like uh can you like update my subscription for north american whitetail and bow get Hunter? it in my hands <laughs> right and uh and i loved it man like and i think that was probably one of the cool things like i saw you at ata and i was like oh clint clint what's up man and uh like i think I you were busy talking to somebody and i remember i, I reached out to you uh online and i was like man i like i i didn't want to interrupt you and you were like dude you should have just came and said hey what's up and he's like i was like ah you know it is what it is like i hate to like bother people like that but um it's but weird now, to man, think I've, like I've, don't don't worry about we're that all shit. normal dudes yeah, dude. yeah. <laughs> i know that, that 
it's so weird to me that people get all geeked out about like, oh, I don't want to bother him. Like, I'm a nobody. Like, <laughs> I, I feel the same way, man. It, it's this just, is just deer hunting. I think man. for me, it's just people that you look up to, you know, and you're like, you finally see them, and and now like being kind of not that I'm in the industry, but like, oh, you, you know, are. I I guess uh, I'm more aware of like you know the BS and you know mm-hmm. some some of the things we won't get too deep into. <laughs> but um, good. Yeah, no, we're not gonna get in, go down those rabbit holes. But uh, but yeah, you know. Like, it's just kind of wild to see life change in the past three years and just yeah. the perception of how you look at things now versus the way you used to look at things. Yeah. But, but that's, that's but, who I am, man. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a veterinarian by trade, but we still live on a, you know, still live right here on the family farm and you know, yeah, that's awesome, man. You're in a, you're in a good area too, uh, from the looks of it. It ain't bad. I don't know exactly where you are, but I've seen some of the deer that have come Stop out of secret. there and I'm, that's right. Uh, the secret's out, man. I feel like Illinois is kind of like kind of fizzling out. It seems like for the popularity. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, yeah, um, I mean Ohio seems to have taken a, a lot, and Kentucky this year for velvet sure is taking a lot. I know. I think a few people are going to be disappointed. I'm starting to see some deer peeling out of velvet. Oh, same. Yeah. I just got some. So I pulled. I tried like crazy to get a million different things done today and i did manage to pull um four cameras here and i just did get my first uh hard horn uh he he came by the camera yesterday so it's uh, i that's one of the reasons why i'm looking forward to going to kentucky so much um like i've i've been there before i've tried it before and I, I've I've had opportunities at do-it-yourself bucks in velvet that just didn't. They were right on the edge, and there was one eight-pointer that I probably should have. Looking back at it, if I could go back in the time machine, I'd probably sling it. Yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> and the very next night, he came back by, and he was dripping. Like, <laughs> man. Oh man. <laughs> and I I missed my one chance. Like I. That's on my bucket list, you know, like you get as a hunter, you get to you, when you get involved in these relationships and intimacy with the, the target animals and you get these checkoff lists, like got a drop time, uh, you know, we got a non-typical, got a big typical and you just start checking off the boxes, you know, um, like not for, not for competition's sake towards other people or other hunters but like on your own self you know what i mean like yeah it's just things you want to try and accomplish and a velvet buck it's on the list still and it bugs the shit out of me (laughs) like i I want one don't feel bad heck i live in kentucky i'm in the same boat man i just have a i have such a hard time um deciding that like that's the deer i want to end my season on because you're a one buck state yeah, and it's like, you know, I put so much effort in, and it's like, yeah. I, I hate to you. make it about inches of antler, but it's like, you know, I just don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I haven't found that buck that I'm like, oh my God, like, I got to kill this deer. Yeah, it's a, so, the older that I, so in, in Illinois, we're a two buck state. Right. And, you know, that, that gives you, 
that gives your tag spending some freedom. And and I, I, I get where you're coming from there. Like, when I have officially tagged my second buck here at home, then I just feel like I'm riding the pine, sitting the bench, mm-hmm. doing nothing. You know, prepping for next season, but... I got I'm like a gambler with a gambling addiction. I got to be into action. I agree with you 100%. You know? I mean, well, imagine how I feel. I don't know if you know this or not, but I I came from Maryland. Like I grew up on the East Coast. So I used to be able to kill 3 bucks a year. So it was like, well, if I can find a decent buck in velvet, I'm going to send it. And uh I just it just didn't happen in in Maryland. I mean, a lot of times our season was just a little bit too late, but uh but man, like, what's your so? What's your strategy going to be leading into Kentucky? Um, yeah. I mean, are you kind of going in with a little bit of knowledge, or are you oh, yeah. going to do some observation sits, or what? Yeah. So Blake, um, the associator uh, for North American Whitetail, he and I really hit it off well. Um, you know, when you're meeting somebody for the first time, uh, especially in a hunt camp scenario, it you know you don't know how you're going to get along. With, with these, you know, different individuals you run run across, and and I'm new to all this TV Gaga. Like, I'm I'm a rookie. Um, I don't look like it. I'm 44 and I'm tired, but <laughs> I'm, I'm still a rookie. And um, he's he's really cool. Like Blake and I hit it off really really well. And he knows mountain terrain. And I mean, the locals down there laugh at me when I call them mountains. I'm from the prairie, man. If it's a hill with rocks sticking out of it. Yeah. Then then it's a fucking mountain. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it is to me. Like if if it if it takes your oxygen away while you're climbing and there's rocks yeah. sticking out of a hill, then it's a mountain. And yeah. uh so but he it was really cool to bounce ideas off of Blake. He's used to hunting terrain like that. I'm used to hunting flat prairie. And I'm a bit out of my element where we're at. We're in um owen county which is about an hour south of of cincinnati right Mm -hmm. kind of northern tip and um it's like it's rugged mountainous terrain to me but the locals laugh they're like these aren't mountains well they are to me um but what we're gonna do kind of yeah they are um yeah what we're gonna do um it's gonna be hot dude it's 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 gonna be hot and, and it always is. Every time I've ever gone to Kentucky, we've always had like it never fails. It always, we've always had like a week of nice, cool, easy lack of summer weather, and then as soon as the trigger gets pulled on the season, it it's back to summer again. And so we have to start thinking about thermal cover. We have to start thinking about uh, and thermal cover in an opposite direction. Everybody thinks thermal cover is a wintertime deal. Eh, sort of. Um, but if you think thermodynamics and how to keep your body warm and cold, you got to start thinking about thermal cover in the opposite direction. So we're going to start, you know, I'm going to key in on shade lines. Um, we've got some stands hung that are easy to access for both hunter and cameraman. Um, not far from camp. Not it's not going to be a two mile hike in. You know, we're we're going to we're going to ease that pressure in. And, and go to work on these ridges where there's definitely, we've scouted some uh, ridgebacks that have some acorns that are dropping, or should be by now. And, um, you know, we've got, of course, in, in Kentucky, you can, um, you know, you can put mineral sites out. You can, you can bait, you can feed. And that's something I'm totally not used to. Like, growing up in Illinois, you, you can't do that. Um, right. And it's, like, I'm literally out there, like, 
in Kentucky, like pouring a, a bucket of Lucky Buck out, and I'm like looking over my shoulder, like, is, is, is yeah. we cool? Like, is this okay? <laughs> no, we're good. Yeah. Let it rip. You know, like it's different, right. and I'm learning as we go, and that's what what I'm excited about is is hunting at, with with the guys for North American Whitetail. I'm going to be able to hunt in terrain and situations and environments where the whitetail lives and we all love the whitetail that's all why we're in this like period or at least i am but it's it's going to be cool to be able to work with the whitetail in different habitats and and settings so it's it's going to be different but it's they're still the same animal you just got to adjust i agree with you i mean i think the baiting thing is a is a real challenge for me here because I'm not a bit I'm not really big on using bait and I kind of you know I moved to Kentucky to to try to get away from having to use bait to uh, kill deer and like you know to just hunt them on their natural movements and yeah. hunt them on you know terrain and it's like it's really challenging when you've got like a neighbor that's just got a giant corn pile or whatever and all the deer are going to them and you hear all these people say, oh, well, if you're not baiting, you're missing out and this and that. And it's like, dude, I can't afford that for one because corn is ungodly high this year. It's like some places are $10 a bag. And yeah. I don't know. To me, like you just turn whitetail hunting into a rich man's sport, you know, by doing that. If you want to if you want to consistently, you know, kill deer over a corn pile. But I think yeah. uh, I think you're I, on to it with the acorn drop is I've noticing. I think with a little bit of a drought we've had, I think there's a lot of acorns starting to drop a little bit earlier than normal. Yes. And I, that's kind of my MO too. I think I'm going to try to focus maybe down in some Creek drainages. Uh, I know it's going to be tricky to, you know, play with the thermals in those kind of areas, but, um, you know, I think that's where the bucks are going to be at. I don't think they're yeah. going to be wanting to be in the fields or they're going to be dead set in the middle of these bean fields and just hunker down in a drainage. Yeah, and and where we're at, dude, it's there's no ag where we're at. Like it's all, you know, it's all hardwood timber, and with a few food plots that the guys have put in themselves. Like total, this whole outdoor channel stuff. Don't get it twisted, guys. Like we're doing it ourselves. This is all DIY down there, right? And and it's a lot of work. <laughs> I've it traveled is. down there a, a couple times, and it's. It's a lot, but it's the same. Like you scout them out, figure it out, and do it. Right. Um, but it's going to be. I think you're right. The looking at the ridgebacks in there. The what I'm not used to is the terrain, um, the the contour, I should say, um, and that's that's a learning curve that I have to get over. But the contour helps um, if you if you use it to your advantage. It can help you. Um, you can get in tight you can get in tight on deer if you know how to use terrain to access to get to your spot or or the buck you want and there is a couple bucks down there that if if they come by and they won't because it's going to be hot and you know (laughs) you know how it is you lay you lay your uh plans out and you're like yep we're gonna kill this one they won't but if let's put it this way there's some target bucks there on that place and and we're, I'm starting to get real familiar with with one of them. Um, I I'm looking forward to sinking my fangs into him a little bit, you know. 
and I'll probably do some middle of the day. Like I treat middle of the day like work day. It's, it's, uh, you know, you gotta, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm probably way too aggressive. Um, when it comes to chasing maturity or like, I'll boost them right out of their bed on purpose. Like, and if, if it's done by accident, whoops, let's go figure him out. Um, right. And, and I love that where I can track a buck to like his literal, this is the spot where he sleeps. Like, like you can bend down and pick up like white belly hair mm-hmm. out of his bed, man, like you on him then. Yeah. There's nothing better than that, man. I mean, I don't think there's enough guys that have, you know, that knowledge to be able to do that. I mean, I, I think that was one conversation, you know, we just got back from uh, the Mobile Hunter Roadshow in Iowa, and I really didn't get to touch on that. But it's really interesting talking to all these guys that are super consistent, you know, just killers. And listening to their everybody's approach is similar and different. And the guys that I've learned that are killing the most big deer consistently are the most aggressive a lot of times because they just don't care. And they're just like, you know what? It's either going to go down or it's not, and that's that. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to move on and find another one. Yeah. And you just have to have that kind of attitude, uh, you know. Devil may care. To get after them. Devil may care. Yeah, like, let's go. Like, there's two. I think the guys that try to be or want to be consistent, mature buck killers... I think they take it way too, way too seriously. If that makes any sense, like, yeah, I take it serious, but you know, don't don't talk yourself out of making an aggressive play. You know, right. like, don't don't think you know everything because of how the wind current flows and this that. And the, just go, just try right. some, just try some but, weird shit. Yeah, it really bothers me. I think with the the amount of podcasting, the amount of, of knowledge now, the people that don't have the amount of time in the woods, right? Like they don't have yeah. that. They don't have the the woodsmanship quite yet pinned down. Are overfilled with knowledge, and they it's almost that's a, that's um, a good way to say it, dude. Say yeah. that again. Okay. Overfilled. Yeah. Overfilled. Like they're, I don't even know what I was saying. I was getting into, I was thinking too far ahead of where I was going with it. Overfilled with knowledge. Yeah, they're overfilled with knowledge. And basically, what I was going to get into is when you have too much, it's like a, there's a good saying for it. And I can't, it's on the tip of my tongue. But basically, when you have too much, too much thought into it, you don't get any action. Like you end up, you end up kicking yourself out of the game before you're ever even in it. Overthinking it. Exactly. And there's yeah. just, you know, I, I said it really well to an older friend of mine. I was like, dude, when you started hunting, you didn't know shit, right? And you yeah. were getting on big deer, weren't you? All the, like, we were. Because we just didn't give a shit. We're like, oh, well, this looks, <laughs> this seems like a good place. I'm going to go set up down this bottom and whatever. And, like, either you got blown at yeah. or, you know, you saw a giant. And I know that's yeah. what happened for me. And then you're like, oh, and then you get a taste of it. And you're like, okay. So now I'm a killer. Right. And then that, yeah. And then you get the humble pie. Right. And then you get all this knowledge. You're like, all right, all right, I'm going to talk to this guy. Talk to this guy. Oh, well this, this is, and then you get in the woods and you're like, so f- overfilled with 
Well, your thermal is this. That, yeah, and, and you're just, yeah, you're a spaz. You're right. And then, <laughs> so guys, try not, try not to do that. Just uh, if you feel it in your gut and you're like, all right, this, this is the spot, go with it and send it. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, it don't happen. But, you know, you got like, you to make mistakes and learn. Yeah, sometimes when I get into a spot like that, my buddy Barrett Robbins, he's a he, he's an old high school classmate of mine. I met him linked up a couple, three years ago, and he's getting back in the game. And it's killing him that he's not he's not saw a return on his work investment yet, but he it's coming. Like he's yeah. he's getting the click. And he he and I talk about this all the time. Like, just go try it. Like, just go try it. Don't st- yeah. st- stop overthinking it. Like, you see all these. I've been subscribing and writing for, and now I'm affiliated with them. For, with North American Whitetail since I was like a kid, right? Now I'm 44. And have you seen how many kids smash a giant in oh, and yeah. they put it in that magazine? Mm-hmm. You know why they do that? Because they don't give a shit. No. They go in, they hunt. I think here's another perspective on that too, and you're going to laugh at this because I know you're going to agree with me. I think that a lot of people gar hole little kids, right, when they get into hunting – and they go put them on that side of the farm where, oh, there ain't shit over there. Yeah. And guess what happens? Monsters. Bam. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I totally agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. My, so I don't have any kids of my own. I have a stepson. And, and in our house, we don't say step. Like, he's my son. Yeah, right? of course. And uh, he came into my life when he was about 11. And by age 13, I had him on a 205 and he killed him with a bow. Yeah. Shot, him, shot him twice in the same setting. It's ridiculous. Like, we're on this non-typical, and we called him the main event because he was the main event for the season. Like, we worked on him for two years, spied on him in the summer, got some intel on him, thought we had him pinned in, and we did. He was one of these bucks that uh, that just didn't – he never shifted. He never roamed. Like, he was always a homebody. And the older he got, the tighter he got. You know what I mean? To to his his core – yeah, and I was really being hyper aggressive with him then, um, like doing crazy, like run it down his throat type shit. And the wife calls and she says, "Hey, can can I drop Troy in on the north end? Is it going to bother you?" I'm like, "No, go ahead." And in my mind's eye, I'm like, "He's not going to kill him up there." And like 45 minutes later, he calls me and he's out of breath. And he's like, "You can just hear it." Yeah, he said, "You're not going to believe this." He said, I saw the main event. He was coming down trail, and I grunted to him. And he came trotting to like 15 yards, and I shot him. And then he spun around behind the tree, and I shot him again. I'm like, what? No, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait, wait a minute. This is a 205. We don't know. Like, we're not score people, guys. Like, this is the only deer in our whole entire household that we've ever put tape to. But I have wanted my entire life to shoot a two-hundo, right? That's a number one goal. And I put the kid on it. Like, what the hell do I care? He's not going to kill him. That's what was my mindset. But he yeah. he put the work in. This kid shot the wheels off of this bow that I got him. And he's a good, he, by now, he's a good shot. And he sees this deer coming, which is a freaking monster, non-typical, and just picks up the grunt call and starts hammering at it. And he walks right in. And he yep. gets two shots off. Not one, but two shots off. Both pass through, both of them pass throughs with those. Uh, 
uh, Slick Tricks, Four Blades, roasted him. Nice. And yeah. he's, he, he's, he's a kid, 13 years old. And I would have never thought in a million years, like, if I would have saw that deer coming, there's no way I'd have busted out a grunt tube. Yeah. You know? He was he was just being devil may care. He, he's a kid. He didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And he was just doing what he thought we were supposed to do. And he killed him. It's ridiculous. Yep. And that kid took my one and only two hundo. Damn it. <laughs> hey man, but, at least he's in the family. I mean, yeah, he, he I'll be honest anywhere. with you, Clint. I was I was really going to ask you about this story before we even like got into it. So, I'm glad that you touched on that cuz I was going to say like So, did you put him on that deer or like did that just No, we happen? were tag team. No, we, we we I didn't put him on that deer. We were tag teaming him like a team. Period. Like Right. Yeah. I, it just happened. It just so to, happened. No, I mean that's great, man. I had faith enough in him. Like he shot the wheels off that bow the first year. Like literally had to get new cams and strings for it. And like he put the work in. It's not like he was some kid playing video games sitting on his ass doing nothing. Like mm-hmm. so when I could see him shoot to fifty yards and and put him in a you know a, a you know put him in a four inch circle at fifty yards as a kid. All right. You've earned yeah, it. Yeah, he's ready. Let's go. No doubt. Yeah, he's ready. Um, and he, by the time he shot this deer, he'd already shot, oh, maybe six or seven deer with a gun and one with a bow. So oh his second, so his, his second deer second with a bow deer. was a two hundred five. Yeah, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Now he's, I mean, he's turned it after that though. Let's 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 call him out, Troy. If you're listening now, uh, since then though, he's turned into that like teenager slash early 20 year old like we were and he just so whacks every freaking three now? no no <laughs> oh, every okay. three-year-old every every three-year-old that walks by he's blasting it yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> hey man i i love that though to be honest with you to hear that like because i feel like some of these you know younger guys get kind of ruined when they shoot something really big and they're like yeah. they lose interest but that makes me feel a, a whole lot better about it it's like I'm sure oh, yeah. he loves it. I mean, if he's your son, I'm sure you instilled the uh, the woodsmanship in him too. So we can I'm do sure, it. Uh, he's you. You two will probably put a hurting on Illinois. I guarantee it. He took my one and only two hundo though. I'm still sore about that. Oh man, <laughs> not really. Hopefully, you'll, you, I'm sure you'll have something else come. I, uh, I mean, you're in a pretty good spot for it. Hey, I I was on a 240 that got killed by a 13 year old last year. So. I mean, Yikes. it happens. Yeah, yeah, it happens. <laughs> How'd you tell that story? Uh, I mean, some of our listeners have heard it, but I, yeah, to make a long story short, um, it was a cattle farm uh, where the deer was living at, and I couldn't get access to hunt him. And uh, the the young gentleman, um, I'm really after hearing the story. Uh, they actually did an article on North American Whitetail on him. Um, That's why I'm was, digging here. Cause I know What's that? that's you why know. I'm digging here. Cause I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So the kid, uh, apparently he lost his father and he really didn't have anybody to help him. And he knew about the buck. Um, he had permission to hunt that farm and I had a little block of timber. It was probably about like 60 acres, uh, that was just all cedar thicket that bumped up to it. And I got on the deer all from word, of, you know, word of mouth and knocked on doors and got permission well, first cold front comes, and this kid hunts in the morning. 
apparently he sees the deer out there standing over a pond and uh he put a spot and stalk on it killed it um i think i believe the deer had like ehd and he was just kind of standing there um getting ready to die if i wasn't from what i was told like they do an autopsy on a lot of the deer that are over 200 here in kentucky and what i was told was it was kind of like full of water like the insides were really weird in the deer mm. and it looked when i saw the pictures of him in his face he looked really like thin puffy. in his face like yeah like no not really puffy almost like skin and bones kind of look at first mm. And he didn't look good, but then, I, I don't know. I mean, you know how Kentucky is. First thing you hear, oh, this deer got, you know, and then you're like, oh, my God, the stories are It ain't are just Kentucky. Around. It's everywhere, dude. Every, yeah, you are right. You are right. But, it's yeah, everywhere. you know, the good old boy systems, like, yeah. you know, haters get out. and it's like, Yeah. Oh, but the long story short is a deer's dead, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. So uh, He ain't coming back. Nope, nope. It was a thrill to enter the woods knowing that he was nearby. Um, yeah. I don't think I'll ever get another 240 to pursue. Um, but, hey, you know, I feel blessed to, you know, be able to get in there. And I did find his shed from two years prior on the property I was hunting. I went and shed hunted it. And, did you uh, give it to that boy? No, I didn't. Ah, come I found, on now. <laughs> now. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. What I want to do is meet up with him. I found uh, the guy that's got the other side from two years prior, and I wanted to I wanted to go there and meet up with him, and I wanted to get both sheds in hand, get some pictures, and I love to meet him, and I, that was kind of my plan was to give him the shed of it. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit chewed up, but, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like – It'd be a great trade if the guy's willing to do like maybe a small video and just do get his story on it. You know, I think, Absolutely. I think it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. And um, you, you got to do but, that. And, and that's, that's something yeah. that I was, where I'm getting at is trying to get across when I was, you know, cutting my teeth, learning how to chase mature deer. I'll be the first to tell you, I shot a couple of deer out from underneath a couple guys. It was legal. Yeah. I had permission to do it. And was I stepping on their toes? Yep. Yeah. But I wanted him. And yeah. they cussed me. <laughs> I mean, they those guys Man. really, like, literally met me at the front door of our uh, processor and, like, cussed me up one side and down the other. <laughs> and I was, I was, for real, like, yeah, in front of God and everybody. It was legal kill. Yeah. Um was and, it? I mean, it's on private land. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's so, shared. You know, every, everybody's got. Per, it's one of these deals where the farmer says, "Go kill them all." Yeah, and he gives permission that. to every. Yeah. You know, he gives permission mm-hmm. to everybody. So it's yeah. it's made the best man win. It's just yeah, like hunting go. public land. And bring it, right? And you know, th- those guys made me feel really bad, and took a lot of the. Um, it was one of the best trophies I still have to this day, and uh, every time I look at it, I just remember that night. Yeah, you know, you're 25. It kind of like takes the joy out of it. Yes, it steals the moment from someone. Someone, it steals the moment from someone's triumph when you're acting like an asshole like that. Yeah, you know, like and nowadays, yeah. everybody's I appreciate got you trail, sharing that too. Yeah. yeah, like nowadays, everybody's got trail cameras and everybody knows this deer, that deer, blah blah blah. And but you can't like you cannot get too attached to these animals. Until they're riding dead in the back of your truck, period. Yep. 
Thank like, you. Don't get don't get too sideways with it and don't steal someone else's joy when they crack him. Like just move on. No. Go to the next one. And if you don't Absolutely. have a next one, if you if you do not have a backup plan, if you don't have a plan B and plan C, then it's your own fucking fault. Yep. Amen. It's the truth, man. Yeah. What what is your let's get into that. What is your favorite deer and why? I know one thing that I've really liked about you and your channel is some of the names you've given these deer just awesome uh, in general to me. Uh, and, you know, I really like, like, the storyline that you build. Like, you truly yeah. do build, like, a relationship kind of with these deer. And yeah. I really like that. Uh, and I, I was curious what your favorite buck is. Oh, boy. Um, we talked about the main event and, and the boy's success there. And, and he's probably a number one on the list just because it, you know, it, it, it took a kid that never been to the woods before. And in, in two years time, I had him in front of like a, a like literally one of the top few bucks in the state that year. And he smashed. That's probably my triumph, even though it's not even mine. But as far as my favorite personal deer, it's got to be this one right here. I mean, it's it sounds like bullshit, but it's that one. Yeah. It's the seven-pointer. It's the one that kicked it off. Like, I, I know that's, you know, not going to be, like, on camera and you can't go to a YouTube link and shit to look it up because that was 1995. But <laughs> that's my, you know, like, that's my favorite because I if I close my eyes, I can still see it and feel it to this day. Like... It's inside me now. Um, we didn't, I don't even have a photo, uh, like a hero of that deer, you know? Like, we didn't, yeah. man, no. I, no one in my family really hunted. And so, my uncle that took me, he just basically pointed to a photo, literally. This is how it went down. Um, we started going during our Illinois limited gun season. We only have seven days total during the year. And the first year, you know, I, I got close, but I was so frustrated because I... I didn't get one and now I have to wait a whole calendar year to get back after him. Like, God, I want to do this. And during that winter, uh, my friend and I, Dan Ramsey, he was a high school friend of mine. We got our license and we got some rabbit dogs and we're chasing rabbits, beagle hounds. Right. And I got this smooth bore 20 gauge that I bought with my own working money and we got these rabbit dogs going down this little fence row. It's got some cedars in it, and they're raising hell. You know how how beagle dogs do. And this giant buck comes flying out of this fence row with one of these beagles on its tail, and <laughs> it he runs past me so close that I can literally hear him grunting as he's trying to get away. Like, and it right. was cold, and there was snow on the ground. And, like, he was flinging bits of snow and mud, and then he'd run off across the prairie in the wide open. He's like one of those big, classic 160-inch 10-pointers that have that white, thick horns. And he turned on the afterburners, and that beagle was just left out there with his mouth hanging open. And I went, why the hell am I chasing rabbits? Right. <laughs> I need to be chasing them big bastards. Right. Like, that was amazing, right? So the next yeah. year, fast forward, I've got that same smooth bore 20 gauge with a bird bead on it. 
and I got a deer tag in my pocket. And I, I skinny up this down tree that's like wedged against another one. And so I'm like sitting in the crotch of the tree. And it's like this kid bullshit that you do as a, you know, you're just trying. And I'm sitting there with this smoothbore and about sundown, here comes two young bucks. And the first one was a spike buck, and the second one was that junker seven-pointer. And I'm like, well, he's the biggest of the two. Bow! And I dropped him in his tracks. Nice. But no one told me to stop shooting. So I oh, rack man. another one in, and pow! As he's uh-huh. flopping. And rack yeah. another one in, and shoot him full of holes. And, you know, finally at dark, I get down, I'm shaking, and I'm like, I go over there and put my hands on him already. I was stoked. Yeah, and my uncle comes up in the dark with his junky ass like D cell battery flashlight, and he was like, "What's all the shooting about?" I got one. He's like, "What do you mean you got one? You shot like six times." Like, yeah, he's <laughs> laying right here, and he's full of holes. Like, I shot him right. all over. Like, no one told me, "Hey, dude, stop shooting." When he's down on the ground, I just I kept mean, it on him. <laughs> I know. You know, my dad. My dad was self taught too, and he did the same exact thing. His first deer. With a shotgun, and he brought it to the butcher shop, and they're like, "Like street Dude, sweeper, just what the hell?" You're like, "You got like four shots in the lungs of this thing." Like, uh, no one but, taught me any different, and right. so then I'm like, "Okay, well, when they go down now, I don't have to unload. Like, I don't have to empty the vest. You know what I mean?" Right. <laughs> but that's no, that's man, the reason I, I'd I say that. that's that's probably my favorite one as far as um, uh, set it. It turned me loose. It turned me into the uh, wild man, you know. Like, I yeah. now I got to do this. I finally got my hands on one that I took down myself. He was the biggest one of the two, and now we're off to the races. And I've been right. pre-programmed. Like, everybody thinks you know you start out as killing does and fawns, and then you know blah blah blah. The buck that I shot was the biggest one of the two, right when mm-hmm. I was a kid. And I was pre-programmed, like, hey, I want the biggest of the big, even though there's only two of them. He was the best one of the two. You know? That's right. Yeah, I'm an yeah. opportunistic hunter. Whatever, I'm taking the biggest one I can get, you know? Yes. That's yes. how I was, man. I, I think, like, I got something kind of similar to that when I was first starting off. Like, my dad was a trophy hunter um, as I was getting into hunting. And he, he sat with me, and we hunted together just a couple times. But basically, like, and I understand now, like, he really had the itch to kill big deer. And he, and we were in an area where there were big deer at in Maryland. So we would have to drive two hours just to go to our hunting spot, like two and a half. Well, when we hunted together, you know, I shot a deer uh, with him in the stand one time. And then after that, he's like, well, are you good? Because I'm like, you know, 12 years old, 13. So, you know, he's like, all right, well, you, you know, if, if I, if I set you here, I'll come pick you up after dark. All right, cool. Well, you know, we get into it, and we're in our first year hunting, and I've got a 12-gauge. And I'm sitting on this old old wooden ladder stand in the middle of the timber, and there's a bean field out, like probably 60, 70 yards out. And here comes all these deer, man, and none of them come near me. They're all hanging out in the field, and I'm like, there's an eight-pointer that's just a basket rack eight. Like, I mean, like a dink. <laughs> And I, to me, he's a giant and I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and watch that deer in the field. I'm going to get my ass out of this tr- stand <laughs> and I'm going to kill that deer. And dude, I snuck through the woods. I mean, I'm talking 
pure crunch of leaves all the way through. It's like late November, almost December. And I somehow, by the grace of God, I don't think I could even pull this off now, right? I wouldn't even <laughs> attempt it. But I creep up there, and I put my gun against the tree, and I let this deer have it at probably 130, 150 yards <laughs> with a slug gun. And I dropped him, and I lost it. I called my dad. This is this is back before, you know, you got phones. I'm walkie-talkie, and my dad, yeah, I got him. That mo- got him. Motorola's. I'm like, I dropped him. He's like, all right, yeah, sweet, you know. All right, cool, man. Well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll start getting down. You know, I was like, it's a big one. Oh, it's a big one. You know, I'm fired up. We come over there, and the deer gets up again. And dude, I shoot him again. I shoot him in the ass. And then he's still trying to get up. And I shot him again. I got no more slugs left, Clint. Like there's like running nothing, the street sweeper, just pretty much, dude. Like my dad's like, you don't need more than four shells. You'll be fine, right? Yeah. And I'm calling him, and I'm like, Dad. This dude I'm out. like, oh, yeah, dry. yeah, right. And he's he's probably like a half mile past me. I guarantee it. And he's like, well, I'm coming, man. I was like, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, just hold tight, see where he goes if he gets up. But uh, but we got him. And dude, after that, I was ex- I I looked at my dad in that field, and I was like, you know what? I don't I think it. there's anything else that I'd rather do in this life than yeah do that. And I've been hooked ever since, man. Yeah, like that first one. It's, yep. that's why, you know, you ask about all these big deer that you shoot. If, if it wasn't for that small little seven pointer and that smooth bore 20 and unloading it street sweeper style, like, yep. Yes, I'd sir. have never, I'd have never in my life would have turned out very differently if I had mm-hmm. never been engaged in that first one. And if someone didn't, you know, that was older than me as an adult, if they didn't spend the time and take out of their life to to take me along and include me, um, my life would be way different. You know, like I may yeah. not have been a deer hunter. And, you know, there's some guys that talk a bunch of trash like, oh, you, you I'm a face painter, right? I like yeah. to paint my face. Nothing and wrong I do with it. that. Well, I do it for like a couple of reasons. Um, when I was a kid, my uncle gave me, you know, here's some slugs. Here's one of those little hunter specialties compacts with the camo in it, and then you put it on your face. And when I'd put that on, I'd feel like a badass. Like I was a kid, but yeah, you like get like, in the zone more. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're like, you're putting your war paint on and shit. Like, and it made you feel as a kid. It made me feel as a kid like I was very important. Um, like what we were doing is very important and big and adult. And I'd never felt that way before as a kid. And so, like, I still to this day will will put my black on. And it's not because I want to, you know, I don't want to look like some industry insider dude. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be someone. I already am someone. I don't give a shit. That's right. Anybody like, that knows you knows that, man. But when I, There's when I black up, that. like, it's, it's just like I remember those times when I was a kid and I think about those every time I put that black on and, and I'm in the tree and I'm 44 years old. I think about that, like 13, 14 year old kid who is crazy as hell and wild and you know i when i put that on it's just like paying homage to that kid like this is who we are still and i'm that's right i asked the guys like i asked the guys with north american whitetail tv i'm like hey i know you guys don't like put on a lot of face black but can i still do it and they're like right. yeah do your thing 
Yeah. And if that's the reason why, like I, it's just a call. It's a throwback. Yep. But it's There's practical too. It, for yeah. another thing, it's practical. I never could get used to shooting with an anchor point with a mask on. Just I hated it. I, yeah. I, I want that. I want that tactile sensation of that fletching. I know right where it's supposed to go, and it feels natural to me when I shoot. But when I put a, a mask on, I can't feel that. It no, just feels, I always, yeah. even if I'm wearing one, I'll pull it down. But I'm like, I'm so more of a point face paint kind of guy. Yeah. No, that, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Well, th- I have one in my pack in case, like, for some reason I don't have my face paint or anything like that. But, I mean, there's scenarios where I have worn it, and I feel like I'm coming back to full draw, and I'm doing this dumb stuff it's with my... a bunch of shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, yeah. But I like to use it, too, like, as camouflage. If you think about it, we're all decked out in camo head to toe, right? But what's the one thing on your body that's in constant motion? Your hands and your face? Your head and your hands. Yeah. All the time. And if you're going like this, back and forth, you're catching glare on your cheeks and chin. And if you don't, like, in cloudy days, it really doesn't matter as much. But if it's sunny and shadows Mm -hmm. are coming over you... Well, why not? I like to take my face black and make one giant big black line down across my face and, and just add a couple on the side, and it just breaks up your shine. Right. And, like, if you look at any military, um, like, we're talking right. why special. Does spe- yeah, why do special ops use it? Because they're hiding from people. I mean, if you're going to hide from humans' eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if SEAL Team 6 is using it. And, and we're trying to hide from human beings that have di- or trichromatic vision, I should say. Then why the hell wouldn't we use it for whitetails who have dichromatic vision? Like, it's... I, I paint my face because it is a throwback to when I was a kid, but it's practical, too. Yeah. You know? I wanted to get into that from, like, the veterinary side for sure. you. Is there anything, like, for our listeners that you feel like you could... With your knowledge of, like, anatomy for you know, whitetails, like, has it kind of helped you in any sense? Oh yeah. Uh, as far like, as hunting goes, what, 100%. what, what are a couple of things that, you know, your bigger takeaways? Yeah. So, um, going through veterinary school is arduous. It's difficult. It's some of the most rigorous academic training on God's green earth for real. And, um, like you take literally two, full semester's worth of animal anatomy where you have not just in-class study, but laboratories with specimens. And I'll never forget it. As long as I live, the second semester freshman year vet school up at Illinois, in, in, in lab, we were doing large animals. We were doing pigs, cattle, horses, you know, dogs and cats for first semester. Large animal second semester. And and when you had a specimen, you had a, ca- a, a literal steer on this great big, like, frame on a dolly. It's like a dolly. This thing's dead, chained up, full of formaldehyde, preserved. So you're skinning this thing and doing, like, literal, like, you're in there in the lab studying with your hands in the shit, Right. Mm-hmm. And and here come the final, right? And I was all worried about it. Oh, we're never going to pass. I'm never going to make it. And the lab practical comes where you have to go around station to station and check off, well, this is the latissimus dorsi or blah, blah, blah. Um, 
Now, I'll never forget it to this day, dude. They had a, a full-grown Holstein cow preserved formaldehyde with the hide still on it on one of these big-ass dollies. And they had one of those old, like, Easton 2217 line splitter arrows run all the way through this thing, like, on an angle, quartering away. And the, the lab practical question says, and I quote, name all anatomical structures this arrow encounters. Okay. I'm listening. Yeah. Okay. Easy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, that's where it clicks for me. And I smoked it. Like it, and it was it was quartered away, like up through yeah. the lung, uh, up, up through the diaphragm and the liver right, and the so lungs, like hit liver lungs. But it's a ruminant, so you got to have the room and the reticulum. Like it, uh, it was detailed, and I remember all my classmates were like, "God, that kicked my ass!" I'm like, nah, I smoked it. Right? Yeah, I've been studying this shit for years, and so having that anatomical data, like. It's like the Terminator, right? Like, he's pre-downloaded with all the knowledge that he needs to make the kill. Mm-hmm. It helps me be efficient, and it helps me make good, clean shot adjustments and, and be very thorough uh, in that. But it also, being, being a veterinarian also helps me be compassionate towards the ones who we're killing. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's no guff. Like, I'm not there to harm an animal. Yeah. Yeah? I'm there to kill yeah. it. Exactly. And... And, and and there's, you know, people that are outside the hunting circles, they don't understand how a veterinarian can go and, and try and take big bucks and shit like we're doing. But I'm not there to harm him, but I'm there to take him out. And if I harm him or I think I've made a poor judgment, it makes me sick. Like I take it very, very seriously and very personal. Um, and we got to just respect that. But that, other than, than the anatomy, what really has helped me and what I'm writing about right now for our next article um, is um, how hormone function works in the animal and, and taking advantage of the hormone swing as the season goes through. And so as the days get shorter, testosterone rises. And, and you know, everybody says, well, around Halloween is the time to really strike. Well, the reason why that's it, his testosterone starting to peak. He's vulnerable. He's moving around more and talking about that feedback loop um, about how testosterone builds and builds and then crescendos and goes back down. Stuff like that. Endocrinology has really helped me there. Um, and I wrote the probably the article that I'm proudest of was an article that I wrote on the science of, of olfaction, the how a deer smells and how how it hooks up to their, their amygdala, the brain, the, the center of the brain that creates memory. And, you know, I, I use this example, and, and I, I had one of my colleagues from vet school, she was a classmate of mine who's a neurologist, actually consulted with her on this article about neurology and how smell links to memory. And, and, and to humanize this for a minute, we have all... And you, you know, you probably have too. I know I have. We encounter sense smells in our life that you, when you smell it, like it's it's involuntary. You remember something from your childhood, right? Like it, you ever smell something and it's just like bam, there it is in your memory, yeah. and you don't even mm-hmm. have to think about it. It just crops up. Um, that's a phenomenon that in human medicine circles they call it the Proust phenomenon, where it's 
scent and olfaction as it ties into memory and it's involuntary recall in other words you don't have to think about it it crops up in your mind instantaneously what stands to reason that whitetails as being prey species and cervids and their nose is super hooked up billions of neurons in there right and their amygdala that brain center um the memory center um it stands to reason that a whitetail can learn. Of course he can learn. Right. Like, you know, don't forget that, guys. Like, if, if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, do not forget this. If you're chasing a big deer, he can learn, period. And if you tip him off more times than you don't, he's going to figure it out. He's no stupid dummy. Like, right. he can learn, and he learns from that olfactory ability of his. And so have you ever seen a buck where he's just coming through and you know he's all geeked out on that testosterone? Oh, yeah. And he's coming, he's coming, he's he's coming. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he catches wind and boop. It's just like you you shock him with a taser. Yeah. It's that Prowse phenomenon kicking in. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe that deer have reason? Like, do they think about things? In their um, head. In context, yes. Yeah. Absolutely, they can. Um, they're on this earth for one thing, one thing only. To survive. Staying alive and, and breeding, yeah. period. Mm-hmm. So if we dumb it down a little bit, do I think deer can, you know, reason that a human being is after them? Yes, if the human being makes enough mistakes, 100%. Yeah. I mean, seen it. I, I, you can, oh, I've seen yeah, it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, but you know, and I've reason... heard people that I respect say like, oh, what well, a deer can't reason. And I'm, I've always kind of like, yeah, I've kind of wondered. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we can manipulate deer. Do you honestly think they can't manipulate, you sure. know, us? If a deer I mean, couldn't, let me think about it. Like that, if you're doing no the same sci- shit all the, yeah. Yeah. Yes. If that makes right. no scientific sense at all to say a deer can't reason, that's bullshit. Right. Um, if, if a deer couldn't reason, there would be no fucking deer. Right. They would have died off by now. Right. Like, yeah. they can reason, but we, we can't put it in human context. Right. It has to be in prey species context. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, a deer can reason, like, to our level and capacity, but they certainly can reason. They They know what's trying to harm them. And they learn from those mistakes or those those times where I almost got harmed, and they damn sure can reason around that. Like I've seen it a hundred times in my hunt career, yeah. where I've made mistakes, mm-hmm. and I've had an encounter with that buck again, and he's caught me a second time. Mm-mm. Yeah. You know damn good and well he can reason, because you don't see him a third time. Yep. So that's Absolutely. bullshit. They can definitely reason, but it, it's, yeah. it has to be taken into consideration that there is prey species. Right. Yeah, that that is one thing uh I've always kind of felt like I'm like, well, I mean, you know, you sometimes we overthink things and I'm like, I ever wonder if like the deer sit back and they're thinking the same thing like, all right, well, do you think I should go over here? I bumped into Ted the other day on this field. Uh I think I'm just going to hang back here until dark tonight, you know. Yeah, I <laughs> like, think we overthink that reasoning. Yeah. Right. I, right. I don't, so I don't think there they... we go. So to counter to counteract it, it's like they're reasoning, but we over reason what yeah, we there think it is. that they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Don't overthink it, but think it through. 
You know, that's right. another thing we, you know, I, we, I talk about to these kids that I mentor, like my neighbor kids or whatever. Um, if, if you're going to chase a mature buck and you're going to hunt him down and kill him, and I've made a habit of doing so, like, I love that part. It's, it's the thing that drives me the most is getting intimate relationship with a certain animal, figuring him out, spying on him all hours of the day and night all year all year round and figure out what makes him tick profiling we call it right and you profile a big like bastard a serial like, killer yeah only in opposite <laughs> like well yeah. you, you think about it like you see these you know netflix documentaries or whatever about trying to catch a serial killer and they have patterns and and you know they're trying to key in on how to catch the bad guy well right we're all unique as human beings, and I feel like whitetails are too, especially yeah, mature 100%. bucks. Yeah, hundred percent. They've all got a different personality. I'm sure they're you can. all their own. They are all each to their own. Mm-hmm. And the longer you spend, I I get tired of hearing guys that are big buck killers, and I'll call them out on this, like they're big buck smashers, but they say, "Oh, this summer scouting is a waste of time." We don't do that. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> That's bullshit. Especially it, from coming from somebody like you where your your season doesn't open until October, right? Right. Right. The, so why, and, and why and wouldn't you scout you? all the time? Right. Every day. Every right. night after work. I'm in the I'm in thick things. Yeah. Um much to my wife's chagrin, but she knows it's the thing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's hundred and six outside or like as soon as the season's over and it's minus 12 and you need to find some data, you get back, grab the spotter and sit back in the weeds and spy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing, man. I've, I, uh, I kind of got to wrap this one up. We're pushing it a little bit, but that's one yeah. thing that I've really want to find a property that I can do that on around here. Cause I, I mean, we have a lot of rolling Hills and it's so hard. I feel like a lot of these deer, where they do want to come out like right there in that last light, they know where you can't see them. They know where yeah. like they one hundred percent do because it's like I'll go throw a camera over there and I'll get them during daylight. But if I want to go glass that son of a bitch, I can't see him anywhere, and it's like it's just so frustrating. Yeah. Um, and then the spots where I do find them, like very niche spots, it's like I can't get permission to hunt it. But you know, I, I think I'm doing well. I've been here for this will be my fourth year hunting. Uh, in Kentucky and it's like every year is just getting better and I'm I'm finally starting to get a little feel for it but I just uh I kind of inside I want to kill one early because I'm always like such a grinder I feel like I'm like yeah I'm just all season non-stop and it's like finally it happens and it's like Man, I, I'd like to just have it happen a little early one time. Just give me know, an it, easy one, damn it. Yeah, it, it'd be nice, you know. <laughs> just throw me a freaking bone. Just but, show out like, yep, killed yeah. him on the first day. Nah, going to I mean, going to another state. Like, So <laughs> let's close this out with this, man. What's, what's your approach from after all these years? Um, we're going to end this one a little differently. But after all these years and, you know, all these bucks you've chased, um, how do you like handle things when they aren't going your way? Have you, when did you get to the point? Maybe do you just trust the process and you just continue to no. do your hard work and you know, work that eventually it's going to pay. Um, when thing like last year, I had a very difficult season. It last year was the toughest year I've had since 
Well, last year was the toughest year I've had in 10 years. Um, we had some EHD. It's not an excuse, but I had to do some adjusting and shifting on the fly. I had a couple bucks that were not giving me what I needed. Um, as far as Intel that I, I, I worked and worked trying to figure all these out, this, these guys out and it just was not going my way. Um, so when that happens, a lot of times I'll get early November days when I'm off on vacation that are too warm, like 80 degree days in November. Right. And we've all been there. It's like the 7th of November and it's 78 degrees and everybody's pissed off and mad. Go do some work, like treat it like summer again. And so I'll ratchet up the aggression then. Like when I'm struggling, I, I just throw caution to the wind and I just start going haywire. Like yeah. I'll just I'll just take a whole day off from hunting and just go stomp the piss out of everything that I've got. Like so you, just till you find him and kick him up and then go boost from there. him, hijack yeah. his bed, boost him. You know, and, and Andre DeQuisto and, and those guys from the Lone Wolf days. Man, they're onto that whole bump and dump thing, and I've done it multiple times um, successfully on purpose. Um, and when it's hot and miserable and things are not going your way, hell with it. Like, you're not killing anything anyway. You might yeah. as well go stomp it and go find some stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and I asked that question kind of selfishly, and I mean, I know, like, this year for me, I've kind of made a, a truce to myself that. No matter what happens, I'm just going to trust the process and, you know, go with the flow and just try to do it. just seems to work out, man. I don't know. You put enough, you throw enough shit against the wall, eventually something's going to stick, right? That's right. That's I mean, right. it's an old adage, but, but dude, Clint, it has been a blast having you, man. Um, yeah. I hope, I hope we can have you on again and, uh, sure, anytime, nar- man. narrow down some like more like, you know, in depth topics because I know you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, uh, just doing my thing. Heck yeah. But dude, how can our, our guys keep up with you if they, uh, if they don't follow you now? Um, for one, subscribe to North American whitetail magazine. I got to put the plug out there for the boys. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. For, for $12, like less than a, a value meal at McDonald's for crying out loud, <laughs> you can have nine issues delivered to your door. That's got tons of cool content in it that you're not going to find anywhere. And that's how I learned. So like, and, and I, I put that plug out there not to put me over, but to put the brand over like, yeah, that and brand means and you're it, contributing great articles yes, to it as well. Yeah. So. And that brand means so much to me on a heritage of the sport standpoint, the guys that run the brand, they're super awesome. And we really look after the, um, I maybe call it the natural history of whitetail hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a bunch of dudes getting free gear and writing bullshit articles. You know what I mean? No. Like it's, you can tell we, we care about it. And so, but other than North American whitetail, um, I've got my own YouTube channel. Um, it's called deer hunter DVM D V M like doctor of veterinary medicine. And, I'm trying to get enough subscribers to monetize. Let me, this is a, maybe a selfish plug here. I'm trying to get enough subscribers to monetize my channel. And I've got a ton of self film, do it yourself bucks on there that we've smashed. Like it's all done. Do it yourself. Every bit of it you see is us. And the reason why I want to get subs so I can monetize 
I want to monetize so I can start giving back. Um, I was always told that hunting was a waste of time and, um, or that as, you know, as a kid growing up on a farm that you'd never make it to vet school and you never make it beyond. And, and sometimes you hear that enough and you start believing that bullshit. And I didn't care for that as a kid. And I really want to use the monetization factor and every dime that I'm making off of writing articles for North American whitetail and being on their television show now. And if I can monetize my YouTube channel, I'm going to put every dime of this into like a high yield savings account. Um, so every year come graduation time, I can kick back a scholarship to kids that are local going to go to maybe vet school or go into wildlife conservation or, biology or something that I'm passionate about. Um, I want to, I want to use my gifts and my talent and work ethic to give back. Um, and that's, that's what I want out, out of this life. I, I was very fortunate when I was a student, you know, I grew up, I don't want to say poor, but we were a lot closer to it than rich being on a farm. And, uh, when I got scholarships as a kid, it really made a big, big difference in my life. So, um, I, it's now it's my turn to, to awesome, kick it back. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you heard it there, folks. Go ahead. Get on, get on the deer hunter DVM. I can vouch for Clint. Uh, he's got some awesome footage. You guys will not want to miss it. And true to the podcast, he is a run and gun style hunter and, uh, it's awesome to follow along on the journey. So I'm not, uh, I'm not spitting any BS, all facts, but. Clint, it was great having you on, brother. I hope uh, hope all you yeah. guys listening uh, to this point uh, enjoyed this one. I know we were a little bit all over the place, but uh, I feel like we got into some awesome stuff. And uh can't wait to have you back on, dude. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me. I really do. And thanks for all the listeners taking time out of their day uh, just to listen to me talk deer hunting. Like, I appreciate that. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you guys out there you know that are hunting Kentucky this weekend, we're wishing you nothing but the best and uh, get after them. Sweet. I think I Thanks again for tuning in this week, y'all. I really do appreciate you. I want to give a huge thanks to our sponsor, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. If you guys haven't checked out uh, the website recently, there's some new stuff up there. There's, uh, I know they're coming out with some different colors with the pocket arm. So check that out. Also, want to give a huge thanks to our sponsor, Timberwolf Supply Company. If you guys are looking to have a little extra edge this year, you know, while you're out hunting, it's a great thing to throw in your pack and you can dump in your water, make you a little bit more honed in and uh, really excited to run that this year, especially in the mountains and uh, in the whitetail woods when, when I'm grinding. So we're going to close today's segment out with a quote from Socrates. I really like this one, uh, not to sound like a stoic or anything, but I think y'all enjoy it too. The secret of happiness you see is not found in seeking more, but developing the capacity to enjoy less. Hope that hits you guys today. Hope you all are having a great weekend. We both wish you nothing but the best for uh, for this season. If you guys are hunting early, if your season's already opened. If not, we hope you're getting after it. Stay safe. and We'll catch up with you all next week.